Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Molly Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. All right, one more announcement. This is not, uh, this wasn't a slide, it's not in your newsletter, but some of you might be really excited to hear that the great British Bake Off just dropped a new series, a new season. Who is a GBO fan in the house? Come on. That's it. A few reluctant hands. I am shocked. It's Kevin and I. We have a few shows that we look forward to that we watch together. Is this okay to share that you, this, you're into it? Okay. He does it for me. Love language. So. But here's the deal about Great British Bake Off, since we don't have as many raving fans as I thought. It is a competitive baking show, and they gather amateur home bakers from all over Britain um, that come to the White Tent. And it's a competition show. And every week, they um, they have three challenges, and you have an opportunity to wow the judges. And if you don't, you are voted out of the tent, and you leave for good until they narrow it down to one. Now, again, it's the same format every week, and the middle challenge is something called the technical challenge. And the technical challenge goes like this. They give the bakers, you can see it there, they, they put all the ingredients under this gingham cloth, and they give them really just this bare-bone recipe or instructions of, of what to bake, how to bake. The same thing. Everyone's baking the same thing. And it'll be something like the recipe, the notes will say something like, Make 12 identical biscuits. And then it'll say, make custard filling. Make 12 sandwiches, right? Like they just, it's very, very basic, bare bones, like really not the step-by-step recipe that most of us are used to. And it's good TV because you have to watch the bakers try to recreate something like Paul Hollywood's famous chocolate fudge cake with almost no instructions. Now, I, as I watch, you know, you watch the people kind of question, like, I don't know, I hope this is going to turn out okay. I wish I had some specifics here. And I wonder if you ever feel like these bakers when you sometimes read God's instructions for our life, his priorities for our life, where you read them and you're like, okay, God, I see this big picture of what you're asking for me in your word. I see like your heart here, what you want for my life, but could you say more? You know, like, could I have a few more details, a few more steps or instructions on how to pull this off? Let me give you an example. Take the greatest commandment that you've heard before. Matthew 22, 36, where Jesus is asking someone like, okay, just make it real simple for me. Jesus, how do I, what do I do to please God? Like what is asked of me? Jesus answers this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So here we're given this mission statement for our lives. And in fact, Jesus is saying all that's come before this moment, like all the law, all the prophets, all the pages and pages of Old Testament, it can be summed up like this. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. 
And we see this and we're like, okay, God, we see how important this is to you, that this is what you want out of my life, right? We see this big picture and we're like, okay, can we just get some more details? <laughs> like there's gotta be some more, some more bullets, some more uh, strategic plan here. Just how, how, how do we do this? And we see that God is even saying, listen, this is how important it is that you love your neighbor as yourself. He's putting it right up against loving God with all that you have. Like this is so important to him. And so what I want us to do is we're asking, okay, God, we see how important this is. We see what you're setting out for our lives. I want to look today at that just how, just how, how do we be aligned with God's values? How do we engage in this mission of loving our neighbor as ourselves. So that's my goal today. And to see how, what I want us to do is to go back to the beginning, back to the very beginning where we see God sending out um, this missionary, Abraham, where he's sending Abraham out into the world. And uh, and we're going to see that this mission the same mission that Jesus just spoke to his disciples, to us today, that this mission was in God's heart a long time before Matthew's pen hit that parchment paper, right? So here's, uh, here's where we're going to start. We're going to start in Genesis 12. Genesis 12. And, oh, I forgot to mention, I gave you guys, you have a note, right? A note and a magnifying glass there. Are we all queued up? All right, Kevin doesn't have one, but is everybody good? Everybody has one? Okay, all right, so here we go, Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your kindred, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and curse those who curse you, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So see, we see from forever ago that God's goal, all the families of the earth will be blessed. This is in God's heart, right? And when God says, I want everyone on the earth to be blessed, we know that he's not talking just about a financial blessing. He's not talking just about a temporal blessing of like good days on the earth, right? Like uh, he's not just talking about um, about the fact that we just have like a pain-free life. No, he's saying, I want everyone to know me. I want them all to live in right relationship with me. God's heart is that across all the earth, that people would be brought back, restored back into right relationship with God. It's what Dan Simon was talking about, like before the cross, right? Like God was like, I want to gather you all back into my family. I want you to know my heart. I want to write my ways on your heart. I want to give you a heart of a flesh that beats with mine. God's heart is that none would perish, that across all the earth, that they would all know me, that we would all live according to his ways, right? That we would have uh, this salvation, this new life. And in this new life, God puts his very spirit in us and outflows the fruit of the spirit, joy, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, the things that we long for in this life. This was what he meant by blessing. I want all the people across the earth to be blessed through you, Abraham, across the entire world to know the blessing of their God. So we see his heart, God's missionary heart to reach the world. Did it just get like a hot blast? Do we just have this like, okay, yeah, okay. Summer, summer in Thrive today. 
It's totally fine. I'm fine. You guys might be shedding layers. Okay. All right. So God's heart is that, that everyone would know him and carry the blessing of God. But how, how, what does it say in this scripture here? Back to Genesis 12. This is what it says. He's telling Abraham, go, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. And then everyone will be blessed. He says, I'll make you great. And I love that this idea of greatness was dreamed up by God. God actually designed for us as his people to actually be great so that he would be known. And I think it's so interesting because God's idea of greatness is how much blessing can I put in your life that will flow through your life to others? This is his idea of of greatness. He dreamed it up. And it's so interesting because don't we, in some ways in the church, we kind of run from greatness, right? Like, oh, no, no, like, we have, like you know, greatness in today's world, you know, it's kind of like make a name for yourself, isn't it? Greatness is bigger and better. How much influence do you have over people, right? Like, we get this idea of greatness, and God was like, no, 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 I actually, I actually had in mind greatness, but greatness meant you carry so much blessing that it flows through you to the world around you. God calls that greatness. So we long for greatness, right? We long for it. There's something in us that's like, yeah, I just want to be great. You know why? Because God made you to be great. According to his definition of greatness, how much blessing can your life hold that will flow through you? I want that kind of greatness. The world, your world gets bigger. Your life doesn't get bigger. Your name doesn't get bigger. The world around you gets bigger, right? But blessing is the way. We see so clearly in the scripture, blessing is the way. So how do we love our neighbors? How do we impact our world? How do we join in God's mission that we first saw started back way back when? And it, it went to Abraham, right? And then it was carried on through Jesus's life to the apostles. And guess what, guys? The baton's been handed to us today. It's the same strategy. It's a new era, same strategy. So how do we do this? How do we take the blessing of God and let it flow through us? Well, here's the first good of, um, bit of good news that I see from this scripture. And it's so clear, but God has already resourced us for this mission. He's already resourced us for this mission. This is his priority and his priority has been fully funded. Guess what? It has been fully funded in your life. Now I get this because I tend to resource my kids for my priorities. No, it's not bribing. No, it is resourcing my kids for my priorities. So I just sent my college daughter $28 because she read a book on my must read list, right? Like I put it out all the times. Hey kids, you, uh, you know, you read this book, like $25 will hit your account. And sometimes it goes a little higher if it's really important, right? Do you pay your kids to do chores? Did you pay your kids? Why? Because we value, we have a priority to learn work, to give to the family, right? So this is what, you know, I'm not saying that God pays me to do things for him. Don't hear that. But he has provided and he resources us according to his priorities, right? This is what he does. I think there is momentum behind God's strategy when he sees there is a blesser out there. Okay, I'm going to keep funding. I'm going to keep funding this blessing that's channeling through them to their world. 
That I, I want us to go, okay, listen, if this is God's heart, if this is his mission, if he's funding it, then I don't need to wait for another season to be a blessing. I don't need to wait until I have more Bible knowledge to be a blessing. I don't have to wait until I get my stuff together, according to whatever that means, to be a blessing. I don't have to have better arguments. I don't have to know like, you know, uh, 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 the ins and outs of all the answers. I don't have to manufacture anything. I'm blessed to be a blessing. Blessing is the way. So I want you to embody this identity that God is speaking over Abraham. You are a blesser. I am a blesser. And this identity goes with me everywhere I go. At my workplace, when I'm shopping for my seasonal decor at Target, I'm a blesser, right? When I'm, uh, when I'm on the soccer field cheering on my kids, I'm actually here as a blesser. I'm a blesser. I want you to embody this identity. What am I doing here? I'm simply bringing the blessing of God that he put in my life to people around me. Okay, so here's the cool thing. When we agree with God's ways about blessing, the mission gets more effective. Listen to this. There was a study done, and they took two groups of missionaries, and they sent these two groups of missionaries to Thailand. And what they did was they said, listen, one group, um, we're, we're, we're sending you out with the same goal to introduce people to Jesus, to bring salvation in Jesus to this world. And uh, same goal, but they gave them two different strategies. And one group, they said, you are going to be the converters. You are converters. This is your identity. And you're going to go and you're going to work and you're going to be converters and you're going to convert people to Jesus. That was the strategy. The other group, they said, you are the blessers. And you're going to go and you're going to bring blessing to Thailand with the same goal of then introducing people to Jesus. The findings were astounding. They had two discoveries after two years. And this is what they found, that the blessers actually reported more social good in the area, that there was actually like um, social uh, uh, equity, like social community, like increased basically social equity in the area. So that was the first bit of good news. And the converters actually reported no impact at all in the community. None, none to, none to be reported. But here's the important thing. The blessers saw 48 lives actually were coming to know Jesus, converted, right? 48 lives that, that um, took a step into salvation with Jesus after two years, the converters saw one. One. Like, wow, like, that is amazing. You can see the impact of God's plan. I'm going to bless you to be a blessing that this thing actually has some, like, research behind it, some fruit behind it. This is how blessing works. Okay, so we need to drill down a little bit more. What is it like to be a blesser? This is what we're trying to figure out. Like, what do I actually do to be a blesser? Well, what I want to do is actually spend this week and next week, this is essentially a really long sermon that I'm going to split in half, but I want to spend the next two weeks, and I'm going to break this down into five practices. I'm going to give you guys something called the bless strategy. This is not my strategy. This is Dave Ferguson's strategy, but it's a bless strategy. Did you see on your paper there the acrostic? Is that right? Acrostic? Sounds funny. Okay, B-L-E-S-S. Each of those are going to stand for something. Put them all together, and this is a bless strategy. And I'm going to start with one today, 
Because again, we want to know, we just want these, this is not going to be anything that's going to be like rocket science. It's not going to like be like, oh, I didn't know, but I'm going to put them together and we're going to, as a church, we're going to take these steps forward to be a blessing to the world around us so that people will be ultimately blessed and they will know Jesus. They will come into relationship with him and start this eternal abundant life in the kingdom with him, with us. All right. So bless strategy. All right. We're going to start with the B. And this is a little bit of a cheat, but it is B, it's begin with prayer. Begin with prayer. So right next to your B there, write in, begin with prayer. All right. So you know prayer is important. I I know prayer. We know this. We know this is, but here's why we're going to begin with prayer. God gave us a formula for revival. In 2 Chronicles 7, 14, he says this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. This is why we begin with prayer, because God said, start here, humble yourself, come to me in a desperate cry and seek my face and and come and bring this sound before me. You see this formula here, almost like the sound from earth is prayer. And it says God hears in heaven and moves from heaven to earth. So prayer is the sound that moves God's power from heaven to earth. That's what he's saying here. It directs the power of heaven to a breakthrough on the earth. It sounds like prayer. It sounds like us turning in whatever comes out of our hearts and our mouths. Again, this is, it doesn't have to be fancy, sophisticated, you know, ultra spiritual. God is just saying, turn and pray. And I hear, and that moves heaven, right? And I think it's like this magnifying glass. It's magnifying glass that you have in front of you. Think about this. Have you ever uh, had a bigger magnifying glass, a real one? This is my, my ver- what I could afford version. But, and you, um, you point it at something on the sidewalk on a summer day. A leaf. Nothing living. Please, a leaf, right? A, a little pile of grass, right? You, pi- you put it on the sidewalk. And what happens? It directs all the rays of sun. Doesn't it? it directs the power of the sun into one place on earth and a fire starts. It's like a picture of revival. We direct the sound of our prayer, of our heart to this one spot on earth and something changes, something moves, something that wasn't there is now there. And so I want you to have this magnifying glass because I'm calling us to this begin with prayer. And I want you to put this in your pocket or in your purse. So when you go throughout your day, You'll feel it and will remind you, oh, whatever's happening today, I'm going to begin this thing with prayer. I'm concentrating the sound of my heart and the desire of my heart to a spot on earth so there's movement here. So this is at the heart of our B, begin with prayer. You're going to hold this magnifying glass on one spot for a time. How long? I don't know. Until a fire starts. Can we do that? Can we just say, I don't know how long this is going to take, but I'm going to point this thing at a spot on earth. And instead of um, this idea of being a blesser, being kind of a vague concept, what I want to do is put a bullseye around the who. Who are we concentrating this prayer on? Who are we going to begin with? When God's saying, I want you to be a blessing, who? I want us to choose a primary blessing context, okay? Okay. So what I'm asking you is to think for a second, to just 
Ask God, the one who sent out Abraham and knew where he was sending him, even if Abraham didn't, who am I to bless? Where is my blessing context right now? It could be your home. It could be your physical home. Uh, it could be your workplace and there's people around you. It could be your, your fun place where you work out or again, like a sports, you know, your kids are in sports or whatever. And you have some space there and I want you to draw a who is my neighbor map. Okay. And it could, again, it could be your physical house. It could be your apartment. And so you are here. You're in the middle. And I want you to fill in your, to draw this on your paper. Who is my neighbor map? And I want you to put their names down. Their real names. Not like non-decorators. Dog walker. You know, like tuna fish guy, right? Like, no, no. Their names. <laughs> Who are they? <laughs> and if you don't know, the first time I did this, I was like, so embarrassed. I'm like, I have no idea. Go find their names. Go ask them their names. Because we're if we're pointing our prayer somewhere, we need to know their names. So can you take a, just a minute and fill this in? Who is your neighbor map? Again, it could be your workplace, and you could put the cubicles around you. It could be um, your, where you... It could be the cross-country team and the parents on the cross-country team. So do you have a pen? Yeah? Why is it so quiet? Are we good? Are we writing in names? Okay, good. Writing in names. Who is your neighbor? Where is this context, this primary blessing context for right now? Okay. Right away. How many of you guys have a good map filled out? Some names. Okay, good. How many of you guys need to discover some names this week? Okay. Okay, so think about how we just had some new neighbors behind us move in, and I was just like, I need to find out who they are, what their names are. Okay, Kevin knows. All right. Put it on the paper, Kev. (laughs) Okay, so we got our who. Now, again, we're just getting real specific. When? When can you regularly be praying? When can you put this magnifying glass on a spot on this earth? When can you turn from from where you are and seek God in prayer? When? And the best thing, I, I want you to write out a when plan. What I would highly encourage is if you connect it to something you already do, a regular part of your life, your commute to work, when you brush your teeth, you know, like maybe it's the 10 minutes before bed, Um, you know, maybe it's your 15 minutes over breakfast. You can go ahead and overlap it with something you already do, right? Like we don't have to get overly religious about this. Like God's really cool with us talking to him while we're doing other things. But I want us to, I think it will be most effective if we pair it with something. So take a second and think about when, when are you going to turn to the Lord in prayer and pray for your neighbors? Come up with an idea. Maybe just let something just spark when? Maybe you're a walker. <laughs> All right. When? Okay. And then lastly, the thing I'm going to spend a tiny bit more time on is the what. What to pray. And um, I'm going to just give you an approach for prayer based on what I see in Scripture. And this is what I see. I see that salvation in Jesus actually requires spiritual deliverance. It actually requires spiritual deliverance. So if we just think for a second, like, why are the lost lost? This is what the scripture says. First of all, that the lost are under the authority of Satan. 
This is what it says in Acts 26, 18. When Jesus is sending Peter out, he's saying, this is what you're going to do. You're going to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins in a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Do you see this there? There, There's going to be a transfer from the power of Satan to the power of God. It also says that they're blinded to the gospel in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that the God of this age, who again is Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. They are blinded by the enemy. It also says that they're held captive. They're actually held captive in a kingdom ruled by darkness. This is what it says in Colossians. For God, he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. So there has to be a setting of the captive free from one spiritual kingdom to transfer to another. Where is the spiritual battle fought? We see it's a spiritual battle. You guys know this, Ephesians 6, 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Okay, so if this this battle is in the spiritual realm, we fight the battle by prayer in the spiritual realm, right? 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world, On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Oh my goodness, if I really believed that scripture, I would be spending some more time with my magnifying glass in prayer, right? This is a a promise that we actually can come to God in prayer and we can demolish strongholds. We can take down the enemy, strip him of his power over people's lives and, and get them then like that veil removed into the kingdom of God. That is a great story, right? We fight in prayer. And here's what I believe. Without prayer, saving the lost is like trying to open a locked safe without a combination. Like, can you imagine? Like, let's just say you, your family, uh, you're been, you've been told you have a family inheritance and, um, all the family jewels and the heirlooms and deeds and everything, they're inside this safe. And the safe is brought to your house and dropped off right in front of you and the valuables are in there, right? And you're like, here you go. It's all yours. And you're like, yeah, I don't know the combination. So what do you do? You start trying combinations, right? Anything you can think of birthdays, you know, address, whatever, trying combinations and trying combinations. But at some point, at some point, we hit that wall of like, I guess it doesn't work. And we quit, right? We need the combination. And the spirit, the Holy Spirit is whispering to us today, here's the combination to this locked safe. It is effective, fervent, effective prayer. Here it is. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. And so I've listed some specific scripture. Do you guys see on your sheet? I've listed some specific scriptures that you can pray to demolish strongholds over those people. The who is your neighbor, the people you, the names you put on that paper, you have your when and you have your what. And you can go back and pray the scriptures that I listed and you just start praying things like, God, I, I thank you that you have enlightened their heart, that they would know the hope that you have called them, bring light into their heart right? Or go back and pray the scriptures about that the, their um, minds would be, they, they would, the blinders would come off their mind so that they would know, they'd see the light of the gospel of the glory of Jesus. Just pray according to the scripture. 
Pray according to the scripture. When my son um, Aiden ran cross country for the high school team, um, they would have morning practices and afternoon practices. And one morning um, he went before school and it's just like a four mile loop that they did as a team. And um, about three miles in, he was about a mile from the high school, he um, had he encountered this injury and he described it like this. He said, mom, my hip exploded. And he experienced this like incredible pain in his hip and instantly was immobilized, just like could do nothing but get on the ground, couldn't move. And so um, their friends were like, come on, get up. Like, we, you got to get you back. And he's like, I'm not, I can't get up. Like, I cannot move on this thing, this hip. And so the friends ran back to the high school and they told the coach, they're like, um, Aiden's a mile away on the sidewalk uh, in, a, in a massive amount of pain, can't move. And so the coach got in his car, drove over to where Aiden was with the friends. They picked Aiden up because he couldn't move. They, they carried him to the car drove him to the school, and then they got him down, carried him down to the training room where the coach called me and said, I think your son has a broken hip. You can't come get him and take him to urgent care. And sure enough, we went and um, he had a broken hip. But the, the point is this, like he, Aiden could not will himself back to that trainer's room. He could not will himself to agent, urgent care. He could not have like done anything within himself to get them there, him there. He needed some friends that would get him up and get him to where he could get some healing, right? Reminds me of the story in Luke, where um, Luke 5, some friends are carrying this man who is paralyzed on a mat, right? Yeah, you know the story. And, and he has no way of getting himself. Jesus is the healer, and he's nearby, but he has no way of getting himself to Jesus. So the friends carry him through the crowd that he couldn't get himself to, and they get close, but not close enough. And so what do they do? They get him up on the roof. And then they dig holes in the tiles to lower him down. And Jesus sees this. And look at what he, he talks to the friends. And he's like, listen, I see your faith. Your faith. And he turns to the man and he's like, your sins are forgiven. You're healed. You're whole. Because of their faith. Right? This is the call on us, you guys. This is the call on us. You are that friend. You are the coworker. That person is immobilized where they are. Start digging some holes in the tiles to get your people into the presence of a healing God who wants them to know his blessing. You are a blesser. You are a blesser. So we're going to be a church that it's going to start. We're going to start taking these one step at a time. And we're going to put that magnifying glass on a specific spot on this earth. Because God said, when you pray, I will hear from heaven and I will come. All right. So this is what we're going to do this week. We're going to go after this in prayer and we're going to see lives change. And it might take a little bit of time for the blessing to like start really like flowing where we can see it, where it's visible. We know what's happening behind the scenes. We have the combination to the lock. Let's get on our knees and let's pray for heaven to come. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. That's the B. So next year we're doing less. Yep. Next week we're doing less. Come and expect less. I will deliver less to you next week. All right. And then the following week, the 27th, the 28th, 24 hours of prayer. Like right here, it's all set. The table is set. You just come. Bring your magnifying glass and just come. All right. Why don't we stand up? I'm going to pray over you. Michi's going to come and help do some ministry. All right. 
I just um, sense God just delivering faith into the room where he says what is impossible with man is possible with God. And so for us today, God is your glorious church, a church that just absolutely overflows with the blessing of God. We just partner right now with you and say, we see your ways. We see your heart. We see the fact that you have empowered us, that you fully funded this mission. And we, we will go. We will go. We will start right here with prayer. We'll start right here with prayer. And we know that it's not about praying the right words. And it's not by, about like, you know, even um, how much time and all the things that we make it to be where we stop short because we just get caught in the weeds and the details. And we just come with humble hearts before you again to say, God, we want to we wanna move heaven to earth. We do. We want to be the friends who start digging holes in roofs. Thank you that you've put the tool in our right hand and our left. I thank you that you've given us this beautiful thing of prayer that we get to fight the spiritual battle where it really is. So God, we just ask that you would go before us, that you would go before us and that, oh God, just come and make the mission fruitful. We, we, we want to see the world blessed. We want to be right in the middle of that. That greatness, that thing that you call greatness. We just, we want to know it through and through. Move on our efforts, God. Move on our hearts.